The Athletic. Hello, I'm Ayoa Kimoleri. Yesterday, Adam Crafton broke the news on The Athletic that Manchester United's chief executive, Richard Arnold, told the club's executive leadership in early August that United were planning to reintegrate Mason Greenwood into the first team. This comes after Greenwood had sexual assault charges against him dropped in February, charges that he denied. Just as the story was published, Manchester United released a statement saying the investigation was done, but a final decision had not been made. Coming up on this podcast, we will explain what happened. Okay, let's get into this. I'm joined today by our deputy editor here at The Athletic, Laura Williamson, reporter Adam Crafton, and our Manchester United correspondent, Laurie Whitwell. Laurie, let's go way back here. Let's get some clarity. Just who is Mason Greenwood? Mason Greenwood, a prodigiously talented young footballer who's been at the club, uh, their academy since he was six. Um, he made his debut uh, as a substitute in that famous um result away to PSG where United came back from 2-0 down to win 3-1 and um, there's been a lot of attention on him since that point really because um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer called him the best finisher at Manchester United when uh, he had Marcus Rashford and Anthony Marshall at the club and other strikers, Romelu Lukaku I think as well. So he's been someone that United have uh, felt had a real chance of a, a major career at the club um, and he obviously came through during the uh, Covid season where he scored a lot of goals, can you know, finish off left, off his right. Um, yeah, very talented footballer basically. Laura, could you just give us a timeline as to how we got to where we are right now? Absolutely. Um, in January 2022, so last January, um, some very graphic um, images and audio appeared on social media um, and after that the next day Mason Greenwood um, was arrested. Um, Greater Manchester Police said it had become aware of online social media images and videos posted by a woman reporting incidents of physical violence. Um, on the same day United said Greenwood would not feature or train for the club until further notice um, but didn't actually formally suspend him at that point with due process in mind. Um, he was then further arrested on February the 1st on suspicion of sexual assault and making threats to kill and was released on bail the next day. Um, he was dropped from um, video games and Nike uh, also dropped him as a, as a kit sponsor. Um, we then fast forward to October. Um, there were various uh, hearings in between that, but in October, Greenwood was arrested over allegations. He had breached his bail conditions. And later that day, um, he was charged with attempted rape, assault occasioning actual bodily harm and controlling and coercive behaviour. Um, all three counts related to the same complainant, um, at which point United um, said that he remained suspended um, and noted the criminal charges. Um, we then there were then various other um, appearances in court um, and then on February the 2nd Greater Manchester Police announced that all charges had been discontinued um, that was because a combination of a withdrawal of key witnesses and new material had come to light that meant there was no longer a realistic prospect of conviction um, at that point Manchester United opened um, an internal investigation into Greenwood who has still not played for the club um, since January 2022. Yeah, and look, there's a big explainer on The Athletic that you can all read now. Uh, whenever this story and the subjects around this story are on The Athletic, 
comments are off. Laura, can you just tell us why that is? Yeah, I think it's really important to mention because a lot of people flag it to us. You know, they people want to have their say on this subject and it's not to stifle debate. That's the most important thing to say. Um, it's because um, under UK law, um, complainants of certain sexual offences are entitled to anonymity for life, um, you know, regardless of what happens with their case. So we absolutely have to protect that at, at all costs. Um, it might also be worth um, having a look at on The Athletic. There's a really good explainer on there of why we report what we do when we do um, in terms of UK law. Because um, the other thing to say is that Mason Greenwood was able to be named when he was was when he was arrested, whereas some of the footballers that are undergoing um, criminal proceedings at the moment um, are not able to be named owing to privacy laws. Okay, well, who are the people at the club in charge of this investigation, Laurie, and who have they spoken to? Yeah, so the person I suppose leading it is Richard Arnold, who's the chief executive. Um, although it'd be wrong to say that Joel Glazer isn't involved um he has delegated responsibility but ultimately he will have sign off and i think that's uh, absolutely essential if you're the owner of a, a football club um with a, a decision this big um you have to have some agency in that but nevertheless uh, richard arnold's is the person the employee uh, who's been tasked and he uh, has you know put himself forward to make this decision um the other people on the executive panel that we're told about are uh, colette roche who is the chief operating officer um ellie norman who's the chief um communications officer patrick stewart who is the uh, club's legal counsel and also um, football director john murta um because clearly this decision has a football element to it. You know, you've got Eric Ten Hag as the manager as well, who has given his opinion. He's, he's told us that. Um, he hasn't outright said what his opinion is publicly, but we're led to believe that he's supportive of his return. Um, similarly, John Murta, who's the football director. So that's, I mean, Murta is somebody who has known Greenwood since he was a young boy at Manchester United. So there's that uh, context to it all as well. Um, and yeah, in terms of who they've spoken to, we're led to believe they've spoken to everybody involved, you know, obviously Greenwood, um, families, um, the complainant, quite importantly importantly um, but also uh, people outside of that as well uh, and they've had access to the uh, police investigation um, that obviously led to the charges being brought by the Crown Prosecution Service and ultimately discontinued so they have in their mind as much evidence as they could possibly need to make this decision. Yeah Adam let, let's bring you in um, because this sort of brings us quite nicely into your piece you know Manchester United Chief Executive Richard Arnold told the club's executive leadership team in the first week of August that the club planned to bring back Mason Greenwood. Yet the club then aborted the schedule announcement on August the 4th, right? Yeah, so I suppose what happened on around February the 2nd this year um, was Manchester United opened this internal process. Um, so obviously criminal charges have been dropped. The club are doing their own investigation this has rumbled on for well, almost over six months now. Um, and we were also, uh, you know, there was widespread reporting at the start of this month that Manchester United intended to make an announcement before the start of the Premier League season. So I think a lot of fans have been wondering what is going on, right? You know, why is it taken so long? Why is so little being communicated? Manchester United would argue that's all because they're doing a very careful process about a very difficult situation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what's what's happened over the last few weeks is the club has had several several plans which it's worked on for a number of months, right? From the start of this process, they've had, uh, I suppose, modelling in place for various outcomes, whether they bring Greenwood back, whether they send him on loan, whether they terminate his contract. Um, 
But the plan that reached the furthest point of maturity is the plan to bring him back. And that's what happened at the start of this month. There was an executive leadership team meeting, uh, which was led by Richard Arnold, in which he informed the staff present that the plan was to bring back Mason Greenwood. Um, As part of that plan, there was an intention for Arnold to record a video that would be sent internally to staff, also to the general public. Um, And it even went so far, I mean, the detail of this plan went so far as to say that for the first, pretty much the first season or so, Greenwood would, while he would be seen as okay to return to the first team, he wouldn't do any charity or foundation activities, for example. And as Laurie says earlier as well, um, the football operation led by John Murtagh, the football director and the head coach, Eric Ten Hag, have been both supportive and encouraging this return to the first team. Now, that's where we were, I suppose, throughout Thursday. Clearly, United's statement then came out later that Saturday, later that afternoon. We'll talk a bit about that soon. But you know, as of the fir- as of the uh, the first week of August, the plan was that Greenwood would return to the club. That didn't happen. The announcement that was scheduled for August the fourth. Now, the reasons for that, the club haven't made clear. Other than we know that they wanted to pre-brief uh, key stakeholders. So whether that is uh, what they describe as principal partners, which is sponsors, uh, the fan advisory board, um, and also uh, members of the Manchester United women's team. Now, several very prominent members of the Man United women's team, including the club captain, Katie Zellum, are still with England doing fantastic things out in Australia and New Zealand with the Lionesses at the World Cup. And as a result, um, I think the accepted wisdom at this moment is it was delayed for that reason. That's all created a vacuum where this this leak came to us clearly in recent days. And as a result of it, um, you know, Manchester United are now under huge pressure. Yeah, I mean, seems United releases a statement, released a statement as Adam's piece was about to be published. Laura, do you think the article, pending article that's going to come out, force United into this position. Yeah, it absolutely did. Um, we you know, put some impeccably sourced points to them for comment and, you know, as we do with it, with, with every article and it was, um, it was up to the club to respond. Um, they chose to do that publicly by, um, sending a note to staff and then, and then putting it on their, um, on their, the Manchester United Twitter account as well. Um, and it said, that yeah, following dropping of all charges against Greenwood, United had conducted a thorough investigation, drawing on extensive evidence and context not in the public domain. We've heard from numerous people with direct involvement or knowledge of the case, as Laurie's just said. Um, throughout this process, the welfare and perspective of the alleged victim has been central to the club's inquiries, and we respect her right to lifelong anonymity. Um, they talked about the responsibilities to uh, Greenwood as an employee and as a young person who'd been with the club so long, and as a new father with a partner. Um, and then they said that the fact-finding phase of their investigation was complete, and they're in the final stages of making a decision on Greenwood's future. Um, but that decision had not been made and is currently the subject of intensive internal deliberation um, and responsibility ultimately lies with chief executive Richard Arnold um, you know people people are entitled to to change their minds um, and but for whatever reason that decision had been um, planned to be communicated and then was then delayed 
and I, th- I think as I think as well, Laura, that a lot of Man United supporters would have just seen that statement come out, and also Man United staff would have seen would have seen that statement drop into their inboxes midway through a Wednesday afternoon. Having uh, and the important thing here is actually club staff received a different email on Monday, which was kind of a uh, Richard Arnold just sort of setting out the new season, acknowledging that a few things, you know. Wow, all this, this is going well on the pitch with Ten Hag, blah, blah, blah. There's a few things still to be resolved, i.e. the takeover and the Mason Greenwood situation um, and saying the club would be in touch over the next few weeks with sort of further communication. So for what was essentially a bit of a, a, bit of a non-update, really, from, from the club on Wednesday afternoon, you know, it, it wasn't a communication of a decision. It was something where, yeah, where they clearly felt that following stories around the pressure that's been applied to the women's team over the past week, and then also the story that they knew we were planning to publish, they felt they were losing control of the story, losing control of the narrative that had been very, very carefully, uh, very, very carefully choreographed over a great deal of time with a great deal of planning. And I think it represented a little bit of a desperate attempt to claw back that control and you know, my personal reading of it is that it, it it gave a window really into a club that is unsettled and panicking a little bit at this stage about how to handle what what is threatening to become um, a very, very difficult situation from a PR point of view um, involving uh, one of their employees. Yeah, Adam, I want to touch on that a little bit because um, you wrote a thread on, on Twitter reflecting yesterday's events and which will also serve as a really good tool actually for people listening to understand the further process uh, from a journalistic perspective why do you think it was important to 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 put that thread out on Twitter because I think you know sometimes as, as journalists we presume that everyone knows how all these things work right how something just appears on the athletic website or whichever website that you you choose to read at a given time and i think sometimes just you know within reason to pull up the blinds a little bit and explain that process you know we've as far as i'm concerned we did everything as we should yesterday you know we approached the club with uh the facts as we understood them to be true uh we gave the club um ample time to res- to respond we also allowed them an extension to their deadline because they said they were formulating the response for us. Um, and then all of a sudden, the club statement appears on the website simultaneously to it being sent to us. Um, so therefore, it, it was entirely clear to me that the response that the club provided, I think it's very fair to conclude, was as a result of the reporting that we intended to do and I think it's very important that Manchester United fans who would have just been looking at that thinking, what's that statement all about, have that understanding. Yeah. Now, Laurie, I'm just thinking Mason Greenwood, thinking footballer, I'm thinking this situation. Could Manchester United have sacked Greenwood? Yeah, that's a very pertinent question. Uh, we did a piece last year, I think when he was first arrested, actually, um, that explored that. We spoke to lawyers involved in, in sport and asked them that question because, you know, was it past the um, the threshold for uh, bringing the club into disrepute? I mean, you know, from a personal point of view, yeah, I think it feels like it could be. Um, and certainly from the lawyers that we spoke to, that is uh, their interpretation. That 
therefore, though, probably would have opened up United to a legal case because he hasn't been convicted of any crime um, and he has two years left to run on his contract. Um, he could have, you know, then countersued the club for those for that loss of earnings. Uh, and, it, you know, it would have been a difficult one, for, I think, for United to have actually followed through with, given the fact that he hasn't been convicted of any crime. Um, and we've not even had a case, you know, it's not even like uh, the court case has been heard and people have then there's been an additional sort of disrepute that the club has been brought into. So, um, yeah, I think that was... United obviously looked at that situation. Um, They have explored it because they've explored all the options, but clearly that's not the way they're going with it. Um, Now, alternatively, you could come to an agreement with a player, clearly. Um, You know, this happens all the time where you you feel like you don't want to keep him at the club and, you know, you you look at how much he's got left on his contract and let's uh, agree to a severance package. Um, That being said, I I imagine he would have wanted all his money because, again, you know, it's not like uh, he has been convicted of any crime. Um, United also did look at loans um, because they, I think they thought, well, if he's going to be our player, is there a way of um, sort of getting him back to match fitness and also uh, allowing him to uh, go back to his football career outside of the glare of Manchester United? Would, would that be a palatable solution? Um, but then I think, you know, he was brought up in conversation with Atalanta, for example, uh, with Rasmus Hoyland. We were told that Atalanta were never countenancing that. Um, and then sort of soon after that, it was told to me that United weren't proactively looking at loans for Greenwood. So the alternative then obviously was uh, reintegration with United in whatever way that looks like, because clearly he has been training uh, um, we've seen shots of him at Mottram Hall uh, doing some shooting drills and, and things like that. And he's, he's been training for several months. Um, does he, can can he, has he got the match fitness to actually come back to Manchester United right now? I mean, I think that's a very big question anyway, you know, uh, for, for all that United might be looking at reintegrating him, the actual um, mechanics of that, I think are, are something to navigate as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of the actual termination of his contract, that, that would have been something they, they could have done if they'd really wanted to, but it, it would have opened up, um, you know, the, Uh, a claim from Greenwood, no doubt. Yeah, understandably, this will divide fans of football and Manchester United fans in general. And actually, in light of um, what unfolded yesterday, uh, a group made up of match-going Manchester United fans, females against Greenwood's return, tweeted, the club have absolutely lost it. They have no control, no authority, no plan, caught out, exposed, in total panic mode. And they haven't even made the announcement yet. Do we know just how much of a consultation um, the women's Manchester United team will, will will have on the decision that is made, Adam? Yeah, so th- this has become, um, I think, one of the, the really dominant topics in terms of the, this, consulta- this proposed consultation with the women's team. Now, as, as this process has gone along, Manchester United have kind of said, used slightly different wording at slightly different times around um, what will happen with regards to key stakeholders, whether it is at different times, it's being described as consultation or engagement or kind of pre-briefing. And, you know, I think the word consultation gives a, gives a hint of um, almost, you know, we're really bearing in mind their views when we make a decision. I think far more what Manchester United were planning to do, certainly at the start of August with the proposed announcement was, we're going, to, we're going to sit down with these people, whether that's sponsors or advise, or uh, fan advisory board or the women's team, and we're basically going to tell them the decision. Right? We're going to tell them the decision, explain our reasons, there'll be an opportunity for feedback, but fundamentally, the decision is made, but we don't want it to be a huge shock that they find out on social media or on the club website when it lands. Um, 
And some people would argue that that is really entirely appropriate because you're talking about the relationship between an employer, an employee, arguably an HR issue between those two parties. Um, and also people might also say, well, it's not appropriate to delegate a major decision that the club's hierarchy ought to make onto the shoulders of um, you know, with, uh, the women's team, some of which are still playing at the World Cup. So I do see that from both sides. Um, so, so I think we, we've had to be careful around how all of that is framed. But what has happened, regardless of what the, the truth of that intention really is, because there has been this perception that the women's team will in some way be involved, it has led to um, you know, really social media hounding of some of these women, uh, some of these women's team players, over the past week or so, to the extent we reported yesterday that one agent of a Manchester United women's player um, was exploring kind of enlisting cyber security support for his client, uh, for his client, um, really quite uncomfortable messages such as you know uh, supporters who are supportive of Greenwood saying things like we're watching you, we'll be coming for you, um, and things like that. So that has become one of the most one of the darkest and most troubling aspects of this whole thing and unfortunately it it really stems from a vacuum of communication from the very top of the club and the delays that have taken on uh, during this process we can only surmise why this decision has been delayed but when this meeting took place in the first week of august that is just as england with mary Earps, katie zellum you know etc um progressing into the knockout stages of the World Cup and the Women's World Cup. And it it feels like, to me, somebody suddenly realised, hang on, we can't, we can't put this out while our, you know, our wonderful female players are playing at the other side of the world and winning. Um, I mean, I mean, opening up yourself to this situation where, um, you know, England are now in a World Cup final, they might win it, I hope they win it. And they might get asked after it, what do you think about Mason Greenwood's return to Manchester United? Like it's, it's absolutely unpalatable. Um, but going back to that, the statement from um, the, the supporters uh, of Manchester United, that, that, that's how it feels, that, that, you could, that the, the bigger picture hasn't been seen here. Um, and, and, that's, and that's why it's been delayed. And that's why it's, it's even, well, it just leaves an even sourer taste in the mouth. I think that I think the timing is also fascinating, Laura, because I think one of the things that Manchester United have come to realise is there's actually never a right time to bring him back. Right? There is never an ideal moment in the sporting calendar. So, for example, you know, if the decision is as Arnold communicated to his team that we're going to bring him back, well, if you're going to bring back a footballer, then surely you give that footballer pre-season. Right. If you if if that's the decision that you've made and that you believe in, and you're going to argue and stand by. You give him preseason, but what happens during preseason? Oh well, you have a lot of commercial arrangements during a tour of the United States. Is that something that impacted the decision? I mean, speculating here, but I think it's quite logical explanation that certainly there would have been people within the club thinking, "Oh, I'm not sure how that will go down." You know, going off to the United States on tour, and then you have. Um, uh, that gap, which they tried to do the week before the season started on August the 4th, which they thought might work, then they realised, OK, uh, Women's World Cup's on. Then after that, well, if you do it a week later, then it's like the day before the season starts and that overtakes absolutely everything. It's a huge storm. Um, and now because of the delays, 
And because things have started to come out, it looks like they're kind of on the run a little bit. And I think that they've put themselves, well, what they've realised is there is no ideal time. There is no ideal time to bring back Mason Greenwood. And, and perhaps that in itself could be quite revealing to them. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, it's a question that's been burning at the back of my mind through this entire debacle, is whether or not if this was an academy player who, you know, might end up at Plymouth Argyle, for instance, or, you know, a, a, a third choice goalkeeper, whether or not Manchester United would still be backing a player of that sort. What are our thoughts on that? They're not going through this for someone who isn't as talented as Mason Greenwood. I, I, it's just the plain facts of the matter. Um, just looking at his stats, so 83 Premier League appearances, 22 goals, and this was at the age of you know 19. Um, so you can only sort of speculate at the trajectory that he he was on. You know, um, I just don't see how they would have gone through this if that player hadn't been. Uh, of a certain level and and it is you know that then comes into the conversations with the manager with the football director um because you know it's the reality of the situation that you have to factor in from united's point of view how good is this player is he worth this amount of hassle that we're going to get now they will tell you that they um also look at the the human aspect of it all and um that they feel that this is a uh, a a quagmire of a situation that has uh, is very very messy, and they're trying to navigate and be uh, sympathetic to or empathetic rather to the various um, personalities involved. Um, I think that that's just difficult to fully um, sort of abide by given ultimately it is this talent that we're talking about. You know, I mean, under Ralph Ranick, uh, Mason Greenwood was seen as the kind of ideal player for his system, you know, in a very turbulent um, part of the season. He was then he was then removed, you know, obviously from his squad um, and, and United finished the season appallingly. So, you know, that that is just a fact of the matter. You know, they have signed a striker this summer in, in Rasmus Hoyland. He's currently uh, not fit to play. Um, they've got Marcus Rashford up top. Marcus Rashford prefers playing on the left. Um, Anthony Marshall is the other striker they've got. He, um, it, you know, couldn't complete 90 minutes last season. So you've you've got these various contributing factors. And I think if he, if, if he wasn't this, you know, outstanding talent as a footballer, I, I just don't see any way that United are going through all this trouble for him. I think there's um, there's like a couple of things that I'd I'd kind of add because I've been thinking about this quite a lot and I'm always a bit uncomfortable when we say like you know someone at a big club you know would this happen at you know I don't know you've used play, at, a, at a smaller club as though as though that smaller club I mean like I, I know you've just used Plymouth as like an example but like Plymouth are a really well, Plymouth are a really well run club right what's to say that something that isn't appropriate for Man United is appropriate for a League Two club, a National League club, and all of those things. It's like when you know sometimes you hear hear it said about. I remember when it was all like the Chad Evans yeah. case, and people were saying you shouldn't be allowed to play football. You should go and be, I don't know, a binman or a postman. And it's like, well, you know, the vast majority of binmen and postmen are just doing their job and are reasonable people. Um, and I do think that's that's that in itself. I think is a really interesting issue in terms of Manchester United and the appropriateness of representing the club. Because I, th- I think what's happened here is United have, put, have gone into this with... Well, one of two things has happened. It's either Manchester United, as Laurie have said, have 
you know, realise they've got an extraordinary talent on their hands and they need to try and bring him back. Or, or what's happened is they have taken this process almost too literally, as though they are a judge and jury trying to prove beyond reasonable doubt that Mason Greenwood was guilty of the charges that were placed against him, which isn't their job. Their job here is basically to decide whether it's appropriate for him to represent their their company, right? And I think they've probably made it more complicated than it is. Because if you were to just show this, if you were to basically just show the audio or the video or the transcript to 10 people that had never seen it before and asked them to give their reactions, I think... I think that would be very revealing and that would be, a, I'm not saying that's how these things should be done, but I think sometimes it serves to remind people that not everything has to be as complex as this quagmire that United are painting it as. Yeah. I just want to end on this one then really, like what what happens now? Do we have a, a sense of how the club are moving forward from this or how they're going to communicate? I feel like they um, have this plan in mind that they want to um, enact. They obviously have delayed it. Uh, for the reasons that Adam has outlined very articulately. Um, does the reaction come into it? Um, as, as Adam's saying, in terms of just representing uh, your company, your 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 brand, uh, we're not talking about his innocence or guilt. Obviously, you know, he's not faced any charges in a, in a court of law. So in that eyes, he's not, not guilty. Um, but in terms of actually representing your club, which people, it's a community asset. You know, people have deep affection for this thing that they go and watch and, and they have emotion about. And, and we're getting a lot of people that are writing into us um, that are communicating what they've sent to Richard Arnold, for example, which is that they don't want him at their club. Now, obviously, that is, um, we, don't, we don't know the, the, the breadth of that, um, but they are people that seem uh, you know, very reasonable, uh, the season ticket holders articulately uh, written letters. So I feel like they are people that you do have to listen to. Um, now, does that govern what you then ultimately do as a, as a club? Um, if you feel it's right to bring him back, then, you know, I think you stick by that, but be aware of the the perhaps collateral that comes with that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do wonder how much that then plays into what happens now because they've, they've got this sort of break, haven't they, really? Um, it's the Women's World Cup final on Sunday Um are they are they instantly gonna start briefing them after that point? I, I don't know. I feel like that there, there should really be a gap, as Adam said. You know, the, if they if they go and win this thing, they should just be allowed to celebrate and enjoy it um, and and have a great time afterwards. So yeah, then you sort of look at um, is it the end of August? We don't know that the timelines are a little bit unclear, but clearly they've got to a point where they feel ready to start. Um, defending their decision based on the statement that they released um, on Wednesday. So, yeah, but it... it, it... I, I, th- I think, I think Laurie, as well, like, ultimately, they, the, the level of planning that has gone into this over so many months, they, ha- they must have priced in. One, that some elements of this may get out into the media. Like, it's unfathomable that they couldn't have conceived that. Um, and also that um, there would be something like a protest at the first game, as we saw. And also there would be a social media backlash. That's how social media works. So I don't think anything's happened that couldn't have been foreseen, to be honest. It's just a case of, well, if you really, really believe this is the right thing to do, then come out and argue it and stand by it and get on with it. Or are they going to sort of go back to the drawing board off the back of all of this and say... 
oh, wait, maybe we need to think again. And also the other interesting thing, I mean, I think, Laura, you, you know more than me about this, but like the sponsors, I think, are quite interesting because they've been, they've been pretty quiet so far, haven't they? Yeah, really quiet. We've, we asked all um, United's major sponsors, basically, did they, did they agree with Mason Greenwood coming back or not? Um, and mo- the vast majority were no comment. Um, and Adidas were very keen to say that um, they don't have any say in day-to-day matters at the club, you know, having just signed that that mega long-term um, deal with Manchester United. Um, I think I think it's going to be fascinating what happens now because in that sort of, it, it, it hasn't happened on purpose because obviously we broke the story, but um, this, this gives them, this gives them a chance to see what the feeling is like out there. You know, that classic sort of when you're launching something, you see what, you see what the feeling is before before you actually actually launch it, um, and it's back on them now. What what are they going to do? I mean, if if the letters that we're receiving are indicative of the general swell of feeling out there, then I mean, this this decision has become even harder overnight. And also, you have to remember you have to remember with United, they we've reported over the years how much uh, attention they pay to their sentiment graphs of sort of fan feeling at different times on different issues. And, and they've wavered over the years on different things based on that. Um, so, I, so I do think, you know, clearly, clearly they've made a decision, but look, I mean, human beings can change their decision until, until it's been announced. Um, so, you know, that's why we were very careful to, to make clear, you know, these are the facts as we know them. Um, but who knows how, human beings react with what is you know a mounting potentially intolerable pressure that's being put on them yeah let's leave it there laura laurie adam thanks so much for joining us on this one and also thank you so much for listening the athletic